Hello, my name is Paul Kearney. I'm a professor of politics and public policy. And this is a series of short podcasts to accompany my series of blog posts which introduce key public policy concepts and theories in 1000 words. This one is about policy success and failure, or evaluation. And you might listen to this after the policy cycle and its stages. Now this is a great topic in the sense that it links directly to political debates and I would say policy success is in the eye of the beholder and the politics of measurement really matters because when we try to evaluate policy we are effectively competing with other people to determine which measures we used to determine success. For example, how long should we wait before we evaluate a policy, short term or long term? How well resourced should our evaluation be? Should it be evaluation should be a key part of the process or just an afterthought? What is the best way to measure outcomes and explain why they happened? Which benchmarks should you use to compare outcomes with the past of your own country or the, the current outcomes of other countries? And how can you separate the effects of one policy from other policy or from other causes of outcomes in a complex world where it's very difficult to use things like randomised control trials, where you can actually control for the effects of all other things except your policy. Then we compete with other people to decide what we should go for. The first is a large mixture of measures that are particularly useful but very hard to work with, and perhaps very expensive to work with or a small number of measures that are hand-picked and represent no more than crude proxies for success, but which are much easier to work with and, and manage and understand. Now, often we go for crude proxies, and then the selection of particular measures really matters. And a classic example is the hospital waiting timer list. Here you have a small proportion of healthcare business which commands a disproportionate amount of, or a majority of, public and governmental attention. So people use, you know, the percentage of people who have to wait a certain amount of time to be seen at a hospital, or to wait in a list for a, a non-emergency operation. And they use that as a measure of overall success in the healthcare system. Now that's not going to give you a good reliable measure of say effectiveness or efficiency but it is going to give you one which is easy to determine and which is easy to understand. Now even if we focus on the eye of one beholder, say the policymaker in charge, there are still four issues to consider before we decide on success. The first is are their aims clear because you really need to know what they're trying to do before you can decide if they were successful or not. And that, that's not always uh, as straightforward as it sounds. The second question is, is their policy separable from a group effort or a bunch of policies with the same basic aim? Or if there are many related policies, can we really identify a core aim for all of them? Again, it magnifies the sense that it's hard to know if a government was successful if you don't know what the, the kind of core aim was for a whole collection of policies. 
The third question is, can we really hold one policymaker responsible for success? Or are their efforts part of a complicated multi-level process in which lots of governments are involved? The fourth question is put simply, do policymakers have noble aims? In which case you might focus on you know, long-term outcomes. Or do they measure success in more narrow or short-term ways, such as how popular the policy makes them or how easy it is to pass through the legislature? Now, this question has a direct impact on policy because, for example, if policymakers are only interested in getting to the point where a policy makes them successful, this may impact on the long-term measures of success if they've lost interest by then. Now, that type of discussion has direct links to our previous discussion of the policy cycle and implementation because a lot of these issues used to play out in discussions or debates between two different approaches called top-down and bottom-up. Now, for simplicity, the top is the policy maker at the heart of central government, and we try to explain success or failure in terms of an implementation gap. And we would refer to certain criteria to determine if it was going to be successful or not. So that list, which I've written down for you in the post, is, you know, the, the policy's objectives are clear and consistent, well communicated. The policy will work as intended when implemented. As in, you know, the intervention actually has you know, uh, worked out clear cause and effect. If you do this, this will happen. The required resources are committed. It's implemented by skillful and compliant officials. You do not need to rely on a delivery chain or cooperation from many bodies. You can maintain support from influential groups and demographic and socioeconomic conditions do not undermine the process. So, so, you know, you would say if these conditions are met, you can expect policy success because there's a small implementation gap. Or alternatively, this might help explain why there was a lack of success. And although that, that's quite an old sort of, you know, 70s, 80s type discussion, I think similar explanations for success are still used. So I give you the example in the post of the discussion by the institution, uh, the Institute for Government. And it also provides some interesting examples of success uh, coming out of a, a survey of political studies members. And it's interesting to see how people define success, often in terms of their value. So often people will say a policy is a success uh, you know, effectively because the government did something that they, they, they liked or it was relatively easy to do rather than it had, uh, you know, demonstrable long-term outcomes. So that was a sort of top-down idea of success. The competing explanation or focus was so-called bottom-up studies, which prompted a shift of analysis towards a larger number of uh, often delivery organisations, which often, uh, to you know, to all intents and purposes, made policy as they carried it out. You know, the, the sort of classic study of this is the, the so-called street-level bureaucrats described by Lipsky, and you often had you often, we also had you know studies of organisations, which often had legitimate reasons to diverge from the aims set at the top. In fact, central governments sometimes encourage a bottom-up approach. So they set a broad national strategy 
and they accept and encourage local public bodies to implement policy in their own way. You know, sometimes you have your local authorities have their own electoral mandate, or central governments are looking uh, to delegate policy making to bodies with more expertise or who are closer to the action to, to be able to adapt. Now, if so, this raises some fascinating discussions on the evaluation of success. So, for example, can a policy be a success and a failure at the same time? So, in this case, you might have um, a policy that's successful in one way. Central government achieved a particular style of delivery. You know, delegated it to local public bodies. Uh, but often, you know, those local public bodies will not produce an effective intervention and will not produce better long-term outcomes. Now, you might say, well, in one sense, that was a success, and, and, and another sense, it was a failure, both at the same time. Now, the difficulty with that sort of discussion, particularly in Westminster systems, is that we're if we're still wedded to the idea of, of a Westminster model in which power is concentrated and should be concentrated in the hands of a, a small, uh, powerful government, you're still more likely to evaluate success in terms of the specific aims of elected politicians. So, I mean, often the answer to that question is, you know, this is uh, a, a failure and central government is responsible for that failure. Okay, so where do we go from here? I mean, I, I suggest you listen to the podcast now on the Westminster model and multi-level governance. Because this gives you a greater sense of our inability to link success to a small group of elected politicians expressing specific aims. If they're part of a complicated, multi-level process, ask yourself, can we really attribute success or failure to their actions alone?